Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about plot armor, which is a real thing. Saul. <laughs> I didn't know it was a real thing. Saul says he doesn't know it was a real thing, but there's an actual definition in the in the Webster's dictionary. Well, a dictionary. Okay, so what is it? Um plot armor is used to refer to the phenomenon in fiction whereby the main character is allowed to survive dangerous situations because they're needed for the plot to continue. Hmm. That's pretty close. That's pretty close to what I defined. So there was this, Jolene found this video of these guys discussing plot armor, whether it's a viable way of, of running the game. And uh, I listened to a little bit of it. I didn't listen to the whole thing. But there was one particular guy who was really defending plot, the use of plot armor in their in RPG games, tabletop RPGs, since this is about tabletop RPG. And my definition was pretty close. When a GM protects their, their plot from the machinations of the players. Yes. So as a GM, like I said before, is I totally understand where this guy is coming from and why he's espousing that, that this is a good thing, right? And I've done almost everything he listed as plot armor, right? To protect player characters' lives, fudging die rolls, uh, protecting the big, big bad guys, or what I call them, the main villain, uh, letting them get away miraculously, add hit points to foes, etc., etc., etc. And I've done that, and I've done that because, one, the villain wasn't, was just was just like a the first showing of the villain, like in the comic book, right? And the first, the first time the villain shows up, he's not gonna die because he, you know, like typical Spider-Man show, right? You know, the Green Goblin shows up at the beginning, but he has to be alive at the end of the book, or the end of the comic, for there to be a whole comic. So, I understand the idea of protecting that villain, even when it borders on the incredulous, right? A while ago, I I completely changed my mind, or something changed my mind, or I changed the way I I do things, and the whole idea of protecting the plot for me kind of went out the window, because and I under, totally understand GMs that do that, right? I I feel for you guys, right? I understand, especially people people who, as GMs, who do a lot of uh, prep work. Right. If they do, a they've lot of, plotted out the whole story, and this yeah, is what is going to happen. And and the reason I feel for you guys is because I was the same way. I remember, I remember drawing maps and, and locations on graph paper back when we used to draw by hand on graph paper and stuff like that. And it was like, and it was disheartening at the very least when, at the end of the adventure, seventy five percent of the stuff that I drew, the character NPC characters that I made were not used at all. I was expecting the characters to turn left, they turn right, and they miss all kinds of things on a map, right? And that kind of sucked. And that led led me to to do things that well, I just move stuff. I just moved up the 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 scene over here. I'll I'll make the bad guy live longer. I'll let him escape, you know, through the hole in the ground or or through a teleportation spell. And I think we've talked about stuff like this before, but we didn't. No, I didn't really call it plot armor. I think we talked about stuff like this about in the railroad episode, right? Where we're talking about keeping the plot on a straight and narrow. And this is a little bit different. This is like not necessarily being on a railroad, but but making sure that all the stuff that you have prepped for 
or at least the idea of what the plot is in your head as a GM to keep that intact as the players come crashing and destroying your plot. Because players are never going to do what you think they're going to do. <laughs> so one of the things that um, was being talked about is the idea that what if the players go the wrong way or they separate the party or they're different directions and or they run into something that they shouldn't be doing and they're going to get killed. <laughs> and one of the people that was in this discussion, one of the GMs was saying that, well, let them die. They can make new characters. They should have thought of this as everything should have consequences. Your actions should have consequences, yes. even in a role-playing game, which I think is, is true up to a point. But I don't know if they turn left around a corner, should they all get smushed by, the, by something or well, something that, like that? I, no, mean, that? I mean, that's a terrible... No, I mean, like, miss things of, of, the, of the plot. The one GM is saying that if your players are doing something that they're not supposed to doing, be doing, you have to save them so they continue the they can continue <laughs> the adventure. Where the other GM was saying, let "No, go. just let them die." And I feel for the guy who wanted to keep his plot intact. Right? I understand. I mean, I've been there. I mean, I've been playing role playing games. I hate to say for over I don't know forty years. Right? So, yeah, I hate to say forty years. And so when when you were when I was building plots and ideas and adventures, I wanted my players to go through the whole adventure. That was my goal, and I didn't want to. And I didn't think about a wasting time of of stuff they didn't get to. And that's why dungeons are a perfect example of of not having to worry about plot armor, right? Except for the fact that maybe you put a monster that's too tough in there, or or whatever. But that's your own fault. But for the most part, people don't. So. I understand when you take that GM that used to run dungeons and take him out and put him into a, a situation where he's outside the dungeon in the open world, and now the G, the GM now the players are not a rat in a maze. They can go, oh wow! It's like, can you imagine? I can go anywhere. Right? <laughs> the poor rat is like, oh, I can go anywhere in this world, and they'll go anywhere they want to, and that's the whole point of the game. But for the GM who has made this intricate plot and made all these interesting locations, it's too much. It's too scary for them to let them out like that. And you have to guide them and, and, and make sure that they stay on this this great plot story, whatever you want to call it, that you thought up. So basically you're saying that the if you're using plot armor in this way, you're not allowing the play players to have their agency to do what they want. Ah, there's the word player agency. And and I think that's that's what that is what is on the opposite side of this plot armor, right? And and I hate and I hate to, and I And hate how to, do you find a balance? I hate no, there's no balance. I hate to break it to that GM who has this wonderful story that they want to share with their players, but player agency will always matter more to me now than the plot and and plot armor i don't think you can say there can't be a balance i think instead of so you can still have your plot but the players are just over here doing something else your plot is still there it's not gone you just have to improvise and come up with well they want to go this way then let's go this way right 
maybe you at, when they decide to turn left and go to a different town or something, and you don't have maps and stuff for it. Well, that's you just have to to relax about it and go. Okay, well, d- tell me what happens and what you're doing, and give them. A, you can always stop and say, okay, this is a great idea, but I need a little bit of time to, you know, fill in the blanks. Yeah. And honestly, I don't remember when it was the first time I heard about player agency or when it came into my vocabulary. And I don't know when it was first used in role-playing games. But I'm going to go back for a while. And I remember, oh, my God, I forgot about the book. Spirit of the Century. Yes, that's exactly the book I'm talking about. And I never got to run that game. It was a fate-inspired game, fate-powered. Maybe they, I don't know. Anyway, but it was a really neat idea. And what I really liked about it was the character, not the character, but the the GM uh, ideas or GM uh, section. And one of the another one is you know when the game gets boring, throwing the ninjas, right? And I remember used, and and it's funny. It's funny is that we don't mean what is it that we don't the literal ninjas. Yeah, we don't need. <laughs> we mean literal ninjas. Have them jump into the window. Now, Spirit of the Century was like a early late 1800s early 1900s uh pulp adventure game so you can see why they were throwing in ninjas to make the game exciting makes sense i'm throwing the windows and stuff but another one well, other section that really hit me and i still remember angelina already knows what i'm talking about is where there's the part where they did they give advice to the gm they're saying you know and, and, the, and i'm paraphrasing so excuse me, whoever wrote this. I was gonna looking for my book, but I can't find it in my my library. Somebody moved it, Jolene. <laughs> no, Jolene didn't move my books. But anyway, it's somewhere here. But Spirit of Century in the GM section, it there was this uh, paragraph where it talks about how if the players are constantly ruining your plans, tearing apart your plot, doing things that they shouldn't do to keep the move keep the game on track. And all these other things like that, they said, we have advice for you. Stop GMing and go write a book. And I go, and I think that's the problem is that, is that when, when the, the guy was, dis- when those three GMs were discussing it on that YouTube, sh- uh, I'll put in the show notes, which one it was. There was three of them. They're all on the, on the, on the camera, uh, you know, on the, on the, they all had cameras on them. And as the guy who's, who's espousing plot armor is talking you could tell that one of them simon i think was his name he was just like just shaking his head like no and then and then when they say what do you expect to do let the players die he goes yes let the character not the players let the characters die he goes let let them have consequences for action and he and he would make these 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 pleading type of uh examples but what happens if if like you know it's a first level player they don't have a lot of hit points they trip on the top of the stairs they fall and they die that's very unheroic and then the G- and then simon's like why are they making a row for the top of the stairs right you know and so that was that was his advice I mean, and i don't i don't know how it ended i uh, if it was me it wouldn't have ended well i would have tried to t- and and anyway it doesn't matter that's why i'm not invited to those shows because i too bossy or whatever but but the guy wasn't getting it right he wasn't that guy who's defending plot armor isn't getting it you're not running you're not running a movie you're not writing a a a tv show 
the characters in the in the game don't have scripts they don't have instructions as, as to how they're supposed to play the game or where they're supposed to go as a gm you can give them hints you can give them tasks as from uh from a, a wise old wizard or or the innkeeper has a oh i have an uncle who's uh, has a has a caravan that needs protection whatever it is right you can give them those options you can do but players should have the ability to do whatever they want that is what role-playing games are and i i was just i was and I, a lot of the disgust i had to that guy was because i saw myself in who in i saw myself in his shoes but that was like 15, 20 years ago, if it was that long, when I read that and it hit me like a ton of bricks. It really did. And it really changed my mind as far as as how I develop adventures. Because I was very like-minded. I was like, oh man, I got to keep these guys. You know, I, I ran railroads. That's what it was. And, and, a, and when you're sticking to a plot, to your plot, and these players are trying to change it, and you're like uh, nudging them this way, nudging them that way, that you could do that but as far as like fudging rolls changing that changing foes hit points uh, miraculously having them saved by a teleport spell which they didn't have the ability to do blah 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 it does not sit well with me anymore and i and one of the reasons why is because i used to do it all the time and i'm like i'm like you know uh, i don't know recovering uh, plot armor guy I'm, I'm very against it <laughs> And I, and I know, like, the, the well, you need to give people ideas of how to, what to do instead of this. Oh, instead of just saying no. Yeah. I think I think what happens is, is one as a GM, I hate to say, you have to develop skills and improvisation. You have to develop the ability to think on your feet. Instead of writing out plots, you write out ideas. And, and I think that's that's served me a lot. That's helped me greatly as far as when I when I think of, of of a plot or an adventure, I think of the situation, and I don't think of solutions because that's not my job. That's the player's job, and I think that's where where plot armor runs into problems. Is that you prevent you pre- present a problem to the players, and that's where you leave it at, and it's hard not to like come up with the idea. Oh, this is how they're gonna figure it out. Or this is what they're going to do. Because in your own mind, you kind of have that idea in your head. And I think that's the biggest advice I can give to somebody who's protecting plot armor. And I understand, dude. I understand that people do it all the time. And I understand that I used to do it. I used to do it all the time to protect my plot, to protect my my my, my adventure. I didn't really have, I don't know if I call them plots, but I had adventures. Plot is too sophisticated of a word for my ideas. But But since then... The thing is, I develop ideas or problems, and I let the players solve them. But you still have to prepare all kinds of different things, right? You have to prepare for situations that they're going to come upon. You have to prepare um, the people that they may end up fighting or talking to. You have to do all of those things. So there's NPCs involved, places involved. So I think when you're talking about plot armor, that is part of the plot that they're talking about, right? Your adventure, yes. the story. So when you when you're come up with these ideas or encounters that players are going to have, right. you have to have it prepared before you play the game. Otherwise, you're going to look like you're 
you don't just because you don't know what the players are going to do doesn't mean you don't have to be prepare, prepared. Oh, and I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying don't prepare at all. What I'm saying is be prepared to change those encounters on the fly. For example, when you put out an idea or a problem, you're going to come up with ideas of like, oh, this is where they're going to go. They're going to need to talk to this guy. So you come up with an NPC, a name, what they know, and blah, blah, blah. And then, and, and that's what you do. You come up with, you put them, you come up with NPCs with information. You come up with rooms or something that where they can find stuff. You can have arrows pointing toward, to what is it, toward, uh, toward locations that where they can gather more information or whatever the idea is, uh, the situation that they need to solve. And those, and those encounters, I would call them, whether it's a, a hotel room, whether it's a waitress in a restaurant or an innkeeper in a tavern, all those things, all those things you can prepare ahead of time. You can at least come up in your mind what they're going to have. I would come up with a name, their age, maybe how they look, description of how they look, and then a little information about what they know, like a little paragraph. And the same thing with everything. But I think that's a good idea for NPCs because, as you know, the as soon as you come up with a name for an NPC and you give them characteristics and right. and what they're going to do, it's not necessarily that your players are going to bite onto that NPC. He, they might want to talk to Bob, who's standing on the corner, and then you have to come up with it on the fly. So that has to do with not necessarily with anything to do with plot armor, but if when you are preparing your stuff, you should realize that just because you want them maybe you 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 want them to talk to a waitress but they don't want to talk to a waitress they want to talk to somebody else right so don't be so attached to the waitress has to be the person that gives them this information you can always switch it to bob on the corner right yeah exactly and i think and i think that's improvisation right that's changing things on the fly and i i I think i've heard a lot of podcasters and stuff who run role-playing games for a long time, what they they say they don't even have uh, they don't even have NPCs. What they have is a list of names, and they just like okay, you run into, uh, and instead of trying to come up with a name on the fly, which is really really, really hard, hard to do, believe it or not, it's really hard. It's really better, really better. It's better <laughs> if you if you just have a list of names, and what happens is as soon as you list the name, you write down who that person is. And then you make everything up on the fly. Now, well, you don't have to make everything up on the fly. You can say whoever they run right. into, they can give them this information, yes, right? Yes. It doesn't have to be the priest standing outside the church that they have to talk to. They could be talking to the nun on the side, or right. you know, or, or the the maid, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't. You, you as the GM, you need to be ready to give them the information, no matter what they're doing. Right, and I and I think you could you could change the I the pl- the problem I have is that plot armor and, and it runs close to railroads, really close. They're like really partners in the, in this whole scheme. But I run railroads still when I go to more or less when I run a, ga- a game at a convention. Usually, I have I have you know there's an adventure that I, I want to uh, run, and at times it's the mo- those are the more what is it? The more scripted, not scripted, but the more more detailed games that I run, because because I, I'm I only have a certain amount of time to run the game, and I'm not going to usually kill a character. I don't present situations where the characters are, are going to die because I don't want to 
kick somebody out of a game when you know they pay to play at a convention. So I understand that unless they do something really crazy and they understand that they're you know like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute to for whatever reason, right? I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, you could guess. You here's know. here's a new character for <laughs> yeah. you. Either have you know either have a, yeah exactly you could either have extra characters or or they they walk out the door. But I think when uh, for for the most part, plot armor and I understand. Like I told, I totally feel for these for these GMs that do that, and I. And at times, I feel like doing that sometimes. Like, oh, man, this monster's not strong enough. Or he's too strong. And I'm like, well, you know, let the players decide that. Let the players decide if, let the, players decide if the foe is too much. Let them have that agency and let them have consequences for their actions. I mean, that, I remember you, you were talking about Mike, about when we talked to him, our friend from our hometown, and, or my hometown. And, and I've known Mike for a long time, and he was always real nice of a gm i don't remember him ever killing somebody but at the but the lately he's like oh, let the chips fall where they may kind of guy right let them have consequences for their actions and stuff and i agree i agree i think i think when you coddle like oh that was it he doesn't want people coddling the players when you coddle the players sometimes you're taking away their agency and you're taking you're removing removing the consequences for their actions sometimes if it depends you, on how you coddle them. If you fudge die rolls and you either you give you give hit points or you take hit points away from the foes that they face. Well, sometimes you want the monster to die so you you know quickly because the combat's getting boring. See, that's not that's not plot armor. That's just moving the game along, right? That's true. Is it to protect the plot, or because you feel that the game is stalled out and it's no longer exciting? Those Most likely two, stalled out. Those are the two reasons why you would cut a combat short or change the combat, and one is more acceptable than the other. Yeah, so those are the two things why you would end a combat early. One is to protect the plot because you don't want the big bad guy to get killed, or it's boring and you, or it's game boring and you don't want it to be too repetitive and you end it by having the guy, bad guys either escape or surrender. Or die. Or <laughs> just fall to his death. <laughs> Yeah, well, that well, yeah, you, that will last hit point killed all. Of them. So that that does happen when you make decisions on the fly that seem to be plot armor ish, but you're doing it for a different reason. So you you don't find a problem with the plot armor or protecting the big bad guy or protecting plot. It just struck me. It, it struck a nerve, I guess, for me when I was reading that guy, hearing that guy talk, and and I could see the the other guy was like just shaking his head and. Not having any of it, so to speak. But he wasn't interrupting him, so that was pretty cool. He let him see, say his piece. I mean, and, and he had a lot to say, the plot armor guy. There were three of them, Saul. Anyway, and you know that I don't do that. I create encounters that people are going to encounter. Right. And I don't mind moving it to wherever they're going to go. Right. I don't, I, I'm not so concerned as to where the plot is going. I just give the, I come up with the idea and hopefully they bite on the idea. And like Michael says, most people will, even if you are in a tavern and some guy is offering you a job, most role-playing people are going to take that job because they know that's how the adventure starts, right? <laughs> Whether it's a trope or not. So I don't think, I don't see a problem with, I mean, you have to have an opening, right? To, to give them something to, to do for this adventure. Yeah. 
but what they do between there and the end of the adventure, and I never know how the adventure is going to end right. or what they're going to do. Yeah. But I don't, I don't necessarily have plot points set out. The only, and, and the reason I say that is because when you wanted me to run a paladin game and I ran it for you, I ran a adventure from the book. Right. And I had a really hard time with that because I wanted to let you guys do what you wanted to do. And yet I had to get you to these things, yes. right? Which was pretty easy since you were on a, a quest or a, a, you were told what to do because you were squires. So that was pretty easy. Right. But I still felt uncomfortable and felt like I was pushing you into doing things that that you didn't necessarily want to do because it was written there right. and it was scripted and i had a i had a hard time doing that i had a hard time with that yeah i think and, i think we talked about that before about that that adventure and how you weren't used to that and you the for even the first time you ran a game it was like wow you know players don't do what the, i want them to do or what I think they're going to do. Not even what, what you want them to do, what even you think they're going to do. And you, some of these players you've known for a long time, so you thought you would, you think you would know their way they think. But no, I, I mean, I've known these people all my, almost my whole life. And oh, no, when I started running adventures, it was for kids, and kids never do what you think they're... you're going to do. So there's no reason to have a plot. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, you're running kids' games. And I think that's a valuable lesson. Is like, wow, people don't do what you think they're gonna do, and and it's hard to write an adventure guessing what they're gonna do. Well, you can't. And when you're running adventures for kids, you got to realize that if you're gonna put in uh, pseudo dragons or fairies or things that you think kids might like, it doesn't mean they're gonna want to fight them. Nope. So they don't turn into. They aren't necessarily the bad guys. Right. Whatever your plot is. You need to take that into consideration when you're running games for kids. So when I run games for adults, I figure it's the same way. They might decide that they want to have a conversation with them and make friends with them versus fighting them. Fighting them. So maybe you're going to save somebody, but that doesn't mean that the bad guys you put in the way are, are really bad because you don't know what your players are going to do. Right. Or how they're going to get there to save the people. Maybe they're going to do negotiations. Not Bruce Willis-style negotiations, but, you know, real negotiations. <laughs> so those Swayero Dragons weren't, weren't, were there as, a, as a, a combat encounter for the kids? They were, because they're not supposed to be, they're like neutral or something. Yeah, yeah. And there were fairies there and different things. Things I thought kids would like. Yeah, that's funny. But they wanted to befriend the suedo dragons which really bothered the boys but the girls really really enjoyed it <laughs> that's hilarious okay so when you have a situation where where you really have a defined plot and there's a a to b for example i did run a game like that i ran a tecmo game where the players didn't have a decision right the game started i had pre-made characters they were Six players. It was a six-player game. No more, no less. And they were supposed to take a prisoner from point A to point B. That was the plot. Well, see, that's easy because if you're running a game at a convention or something or you, you've made pre-made the characters, then everybody gets their character. They choose who they want to be. And from once they choose the character and you give them what, what the assignment is in this case, right. then 
player, you're not taking away player agency there. That's just the beginning of your game, right? right. From there on, you allow the players right. to get uh, to point B however they want. Right. And I told you in the past, and I told when I talked about this game, I ran it three times, this exact same adventure, using the same characters, obviously different people, at the at a convention, and uh, and there were totally different ways of doing it, right? And I told everybody I've discussed it, but was really was really strange is the people who were like so paranoid that they didn't take the route that I was expecting them to route, which was the Great Wall of China kind of thing, right? This Great Wall that has a road they call it Sackby Road, and uh, and it looks like a Great Wall of China. It's three levels, you know, commoners on the bottom level, military, you know, rich people, then military. So they were really, really, really paranoid. And so they decided to go by river, which I'm like, well, okay. Threw me for a loop because I had no river encounters, right? So they they encountered stuff that would happen on the wall, but it wasn't on the river, right? They, yeah. they saw things that were happening on the wall and these things attacking and all these weird things that happened. And so they saw things, those characters, I should say, saw things through a more distant uh, view, view, right? Like almost third person. Instead of being on the wall and it's stuff happening to them, they saw stuff happening to other people. And they're like, ah, see, that's why we didn't, we didn't take, take the, <laughs> that's why we're <laughs> on the river, right? But then I thought, well, it can't be, a, it's not supposed to be this like, it's not Love like that. a river cruise. Uh, yeah. You're in a, a world where there's a reason there's that wall that you yeah. walk across. Yes. That's the road. So then, so then uh, they they were like, "Well, where where do we camp?" And then and the 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 boat captain goes, "Well, we don't camp, you know." So I changed. I, I on the fly, I had to come up with encounters that were most likely to happen to these guys on the boat. Now they weren't deadly encounters; they were just things that happened. And to make it more interesting, and that was on the fly. I just came up with stuff. Uh, they were attacked by fish, fish with big teeth, alligators, whatever, something like that. You know, they were attacked by flying creatures, or or they encountered flying, not necessarily attacked. And so it was a really good game. I mean, it, but it was vastly different from the other two, who were like, okay, we're gonna stay on the road. Things. See, you never know what the the players are right. gonna want to do and how paranoid they are, especially in a game like that if they played it before. And they're and players are are very, uh, what is it? They're very suspicious of this is what you have to do, you know. Oh, there's, there's got to be something wrong. You're saying something for failure, right? And no, just the, the weird things are going to happen, and things might change and stuff. But but no, you know, I didn't set them up for failure. And there were just there were there was a little bit of a mystery to solve about why this guy was taking from A to B, you know, who he was and all this other stuff. And it was a love triangle in there and stuff. It was a very interesting game that I, that I ran. I, I like it when, or I think it's important when characters are doing something that's very dangerous and they may not realize that it's dangerous, right? Right. And it's always important for the GM maybe to say, are you sure that's what you want to do? <laughs> and that may be a clue to the player. Right. That maybe they don't want to do that. But if they're really adamant about it, then, you know, what can you do? And I'm okay with, with dying as a player. And I'm okay with, I'm, I really haven't killed very many people. I don't think I've killed anybody other than bad guys. But I can see if they're really stupid, then maybe they die by their own actions, right? Well, look at the, look at the plot armor. There was no plot armor. Well, I don't know if you call it plot armor, but we were just playing in the Gamma World game where we had a total party kill. And it was like, 
I guess we were supposed to survive that somehow. I guess running away would have been one way or not. Or thinking, you know, that doesn't seem too safe. Let's not do this. <laughs> let's do it a different way. Yeah, let's go a different route. But it was fine. I mean, it was. It was but there were consequences to those actions, right? If some by some miracle we would have survived, it would have seemed kind of cheap, right? We understood that we did a wrong thing. Like when I died, I'm like, oh man, that was a big mistake. And I was thinking, and I was thinking, telling the you guys should get the hell out of here, <laughs> right? Because I had a lot of hit points, not a lot of hit points, but I had a good amount. But those things were like nailing us hard. And I knew even people who had more hit points than me, it wasn't enough. Those things were hitting us hard and it was, it was just too much damage for anybody in our party to take. And it was like a whole bunch of them. So I'm like, we're outnumbered. We're outclassed. So not so much plot armor or the idea of plot armor, saving your plot at all consequences, probably isn't conducive to allowing players to have agency in the right. game if you if you need if you feel that you have to save your plot then i think they're right write a book um because players are not going to do what you think they're going to do so either figure out a way to incorporate what they're doing change up what your plan is or figure out encounters instead of having people have to go a certain way to get there just put your encounter there, right? No matter right. where they go. Unless right. it's a mountain encounter and they're in the desert, then, you know, you may have to adjust things. Like, yeah, you know, your maps and stuff like that. Yes. I don't know what else to say about yeah. plot armor because Saul is obviously against it. <laughs> and I think that there's probably ways around it. I think, we, I think you could do little things to protect your plot in a certain sense. But uh, anytime... Anything that conflicts with the with player agency, taking away their decisions and not letting them matter, I think that's where it, it's too much. Like Jolene said, go write a book. Go write a screenplay. And uh, don't GM. Because <laughs> nobody wants to be in that sense. I mean, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to play in a game where, where I have to stick to a script or go a certain way for the game to end. It's just, that's not what, to me, that's not what role playing is. There you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. Mm -hmm.